Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, we got some great shows coming up, and uh, I hope you guys are ready 
for for what I got in store for y'all today. It's going to be so crazy. But before we bring my guest on, before we chop it up with him, we got to get into, you know, you can't. You can't have a show with Roland Martin on without talking about what's going on in the political landscape. Uh, if you if you're paying attention to the GOP, you you have been um, watching this this uh, this race is is really uh, shaping up to be a pretty exciting race. But the thing is, nobody will bow out. Nobody will be like you know Newt Gingrich. I mean, this dude stopped scoring points. What? Six weeks ago, and he just won't get out of the race. Like I, to, to me, at some point, you do the party more harm than good. So uh, that's that's on the plate today. Why won't Nuke leave? You know, and Santorum, I think he still has a an outside chance of getting a nomination. But the reality is, is is that he, he probably won't. Uh, and and the even bigger reality is, I don't believe any uh, any of the the field that the GOP is fielding now can give the the president uh, Barack Obama a, a legitimate run. So let's let's really let's really have that conversation today. It's going to be an incredible show. Uh, shouts out to Madeline Smith as we as we put this show down. Her birthday party is a fond memory. I'm going to tell you right now, it was incredible. Off the chain, off the chain. Happy birthday to Miss Madeline Smith. Awesome human being, uh, uh my assistant and one of the one of the uh human beings I really feel like God said, "Hey, you need some help. Let me see you somebody." And then Madeline showed up like magic. So, thank you Miss Madeline Smith. Happy birthday. Uh I I know that you are still recovering from your birthday party that was incredible and completely off the chain. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna pull up some uh some hot topics, man, because we, we did hot topics uh, last week and, and the the place that the whole thing went crazy. So look for me to do a show on on hot topics, man. What what's in the news uh and what's what's coming up next in terms of entertainment, shouts out to our our friend, friend of the show. Uh, you've seen her, you've seen her. I mean, you've heard her on Rodney Perry Live. Miss Sherry Shepard, who is on Dancing with the Stars. Shouts out to Sherry Shepard. Now, this is the inside scoop. Last week there was a story that Sherry Shepard uh, was cheating. They were saying the story came out that she had. Uh, got with her dance partner ahead of time, and that they and that they were practicing like three weeks out, uh, preparing for Dance with the Stars. That is not true. That is not true at all. Sherry did take a dance class, but he, she did not practice with her instructor at all, and that that would have been wrong. That would have been taboo. But that is not what happened. So. Shouts out to Sherry Shepard. That is a hot topic. Uh, also, this this uh, installment of Dancing with the Stars is really, uh, I might, I mean, I don't know any other way to put this, maybe the blackest installment that we have seen. Um, Jaleel White is on the show. Uh, the, the young man, uh, what's his name? God dang it. Uh, my kids love this guy, too. The guy, young kid actually went to school with my son at uh, 32nd Street School in Los Angeles. 
let me matter of fact, let me pull this up so we can really go over this because man, it, it is a crazy list of people, and uh, this season fourteen, I think is may, maybe shaping up to be one of the best Dancing with the Stars yet. I haven't had a, a chance to. Um, I haven't had a chance to really sit down and watch the show in past, but this year, come on, man, this cast is so incredible. I'm talking about uh, Gladys Knight, you know. I'm talking about uh, my man Jaleel White. I don't know if he's uh, a Steve Urkel or Stefan out there because he was so super smooth. Uh, of course, Sherry Shepard, uh, the the young the young man. You know him uh, this this season. He's a child star. His name is Rashawn Fagan. Now, the thing about Rashawn Fagan that people don't know, or you may or may not know, but Rashawn Fagan is the son of uh, Roy Fagan, who was in the classic black movie, um, The Five Heartbeats. The young man that got held out the window and Big Red was like, what am I working out with? Nine to five. Well, that's Rashawn's dad. And uh, really, really great, great human being, great people, and uh, I- I'm excited for them. Uh, Melissa Gilbert is on Dance with the Stars this year, man. Melissa Gilbert is, is killing it, uh, and man, this what this what got me. And I do believe she's gonna go home first, but they had Martina Navratilova. I feel like Howard Cosell when I Martina Navratilova. What an, an awesome performance by you on to you know. So <laughs> that's a hot topic. Uh Dancing with the Stars. So many great, great names and faces on there. Um my my man, he looked like Tyrese out there dancing. But man, my boy Donald Driver is killing it. I'm so excited for him. And uh, it's just going to be an incredible season. So let's support this show. Let's support uh, all of the stars, uh, especially. Man, I would love to see Gladys Knight go as far as she possibly can in this show. And uh, and with that, man, it's almost time. It's almost time to bring my homeboy on, man. I, I shot my comedy special uh, in February, All-Star Weekend. Was it March? I don't know. In February, All-Star Weekend, and and I look out in the audience, and one of the coolest human beings on the planet is sitting in the audience as I perform, and I'm saying to myself, that's not, that's not my dude out there. That's not one of the coldest guys ever to sit in the audience. And sure enough, it was my man Roland Martin. Roland Martin came out and supported uh, Rodney Perry, he came, and, and not only – did he support by, by bringing himself and his wife out to the show? But Roland is so gangster that I asked him to do something. And when y'all see this, it's, you going to laugh so hard. And not laugh with him, but laugh at him. Coming on the show, my man, he'll be here in a couple of minutes. You guys stay tuned, stay tight. Roland Martin is coming on the show today. We want to shout out our my 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 homegirls, my sister shows as they get ready as they get ready to do to do their respective shows. My girl Queens Castle, shouts out to the Queens Castle. The QueensCastle.net is one of the fastest growing online magazines featuring celebrity interviews and entertainment news. Get your gossip free scoop on music, movies, and all things entertainment from the Queens Castle. 
you've been officially crowned. Hey, you, you, one thing that, that uh, the, the great energy that I try to put on this show is this. I want to create a situation where we can not only promote ourselves because there really isn't any 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 terrestrial radio for for talent to 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 promote themselves. So that's one of the reasons I started the show. And another reason is to to hear people's real story. You know, a lot of times you get a celebrity, he does an interview, you may hear uh, a little snippet of his life, in, in which you can only get a snippet, you know, in a few minutes. So I wanted to talk to people at length where not only you can get to know them, but you can say, man, I didn't know that about that guy. So um, with my guest today, you're going to get to know stuff that you didn't know, man. This this guy is flat out awesome. When when you read certain people bios, be be riddled with fluff, you know. You know, and it's all kind of little, little intricate details about you know how he he might have did this, and but it ain't never really clear. But let me tell y'all something. When it come to this dude, when it come to www.rollandmartin.com, when it comes to at Roland Martin on Twitter, when it comes to Roland Martin Facebook. Dot com forward slash Roland Martin, you got to really wrap your mind around the contribution this guy has made to pop culture, to the political landscape. You got to you got to wrap your mind around the guy that's watching for you with his own show on TV One, Washington Watch with Roland Martin. Let me tell y'all something, husband, all around cool dude. Ain't afraid to cut a rug, have some fun. We'll rock an ascot, and it's going to be off the chain, going to be cool. And, again, the voice of our generation. Ladies and gentlemen, show some love as I bring him to the Rodney Perry live stage, Mr. Roland Martin. Rodney, what up, man? How you doing, sir? Man, oh, good, running and gunning. I made, you know, uh, I am, you know, I, my my uh, ancestors migrated from Haiti to Louisiana uh, <laughs> on my mom's side, and you know that's why I got five, six jobs. So you know, Doc, I've been running and gunning all day, but it's all good because in 2012, a black man got to have five jobs to feed his family. You, you know, you know. Somebody once said to me that that we should have at the very least seven streams of income, and hey, hey. I think you I might have fourteen. Multiple. Yeah. I believe in multiple streams of income. Absolutely. I figure if a company, if it's good for a company, it might as well be for individual. That's why I really and I and seriously, I really do talk publicly about the concept of me eat because. And right now, I don't know if folks who follow me on Twitter or Facebook, they might have seen this conversation I had, man, a couple of weeks ago. Now, people were telling me to watch this movie, The Company Man. Mm-hmm. And I actually, because I, I saw the documentary Inside Job, and so I thought The Company Man was another documentary, but it was actually a movie with Ben Affleck and Tommy Lee Jones. And in the movie, with all of these cats in the movie, uh, most of them white, who uh, had all of these high-paying jobs in corporate, with, with this company, I mean, they, they lost all of their jobs, and uh, they would it would kill a man losing their homes and 
uh, loses to kind of save face in the community, can't be at the country club. So I begin to teach these life lessons. And the thing that I tell people, man, is today the, the idea of company loyalty has gone out of the window. Yeah, there's some degree of loyalty, right? That's gone. It's gone. So they will. You are simply a a a a, a line on a balance sheet. They will cut you in a heartbeat. And so I tell people, you're always going to look out for the most important shareholder, and that's you and your family. Because all those hours you work overtime and staying late and getting there early, man, when, when folks lay you off, they are not thinking about you or your kids. All they're thinking about is that, is that bottom line. So I tell yes, people, focus on your own bottom line. Hey, you, you know what? That's a that's a great place to start today. And and you know what 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 I'm really interested in, and and I would love to get your opinion on this. Is you know I, I, I'm rewinding back to the LeBron James announcement that he yep. was going to go to Miami, and how this young man was demonized in the press, right? And then I fast forward to um. The, the sports landscape over the past week or so, when they wheeling and dealing and, and it's a trade deadline and, and you see players being moved and their families being uprooted, and nobody is, is questioning that the way they question LeBron James making this decision for his family. So yep, yep. I, I'm interested because you brought up that, that, that corporate you know loyalty. They expect – the athlete to have a loyalty, but they don't show that same loyalty. And it's really interesting to me that it still looks to me like a slave, a slave trade almost. Well, well let, let me sort of frame it uh, this way, and, and you're absolutely right. What happens is we live in a society where we give the company the benefit of the doubt. Uh, we give them the flexibility. We give them the leverage, and and we don't necessarily see ourselves that way. And and let me break down how I, how I view this whole notion of me Inc. Uh, when I talk about me Inc., what what I always say to people is that the way I frame it is uh, that. Stop looking at this as in you are an employee and they are an employer. If you own your own company, that means that you are a company owner, and so you are, you become you have a vendor-client relationship. So what that means is is that when they have when they need work done, they put out an RFP, a request for proposal. You fill it out, you send it in, they interview you. If if it meets their needs, they then enter into a vendor-client relationship. Now, if the relationship is going well, then they do renew the vendor-client relationship. Mm -hmm. If they don't like it, then they can end the vendor-client relationship. If you don't particularly like uh, the terms of the, the, the issue, you can end it on your end. So that means so if they fire you, people take it personally. Like, I've been fired five, six times, so it ain't like I ain't never been there. Okay? Right. So when they get fired, people take it personally as opposed to saying it's all good, this is what happens in a vendor-client relationship. My job is to never solely depend upon one client. And so what LeBron did was LeBron said, uh, I gave you 
X number of years according to the contract. Per contract, yes. So you you, you were happy. I, I, I was happy. It was all good. Based upon the contract that I signed, it gave me the flexibility after a number of years to be able to decide where I want to go, what I want to do. So I had earned the right to do this. Now that I've earned the right to do it, now I will. And so people try to suggest that uh, it was how he did it. I think for some people that was the case, but I think for most people they were angry that he actually had the audacity to do it. Fans were angry. You owe us. No, he gave you seven years. The franchise, he jacked up the value of the franchise by virtue of his play. Y'all made money on tickets, on merchandise, on concessions, on parking. And so whatever amount of money LeBron made paled in comparison to what the team made. So everybody got happy. So the problem, Rodney, is that people are liberated and saying, no, you got what you wanted, I got what I wanted. I delivered, you delivered, it was all good, now I'm moving on. I remember, man, when I left the Austin American States in 1993, sitting down with the editor, uh, Raul Gonzalez, and Raul sat there, man, and looked at me, and he said, you know, it was like a punch in the gut when I was told that you decided to leave. I was there 13 months, and I said, hold up, player. I said, let, let me let me help you out with something. Y'all didn't take some black kid off the street and teach him how to talk, how to dress, how to write. I said, you hired me for a service. I provided the service. When I was considering another job, y'all made clear to me you were not going to pay me the amount of money that they were going to pay me. Six months later, when a new job came on, that paid me double what they were going to pay me, I didn't even waste my time asking y'all to respond. Mm. And so he was offended that I chose to leave, and I said, that's my right. So who are you to get offended? So the problem, Rodney, we got too many people, man, who are working on jobs who get so wrapped up in that job that they lose who they are. I've been denied opportunities by just about employers, right? And people say, well, you know, we don't we don't like this happening. I, I got denied a radio show by the Fort Worth Telegram, and they said, well, I said, wait a minute. Five sports writers got jobs. I cover City Hall. What's the difference? Well, that's a difference. Then the guy told me, I never forget his name was Mike Norman. See, I believe in calling my name. Uh, Go ahead. Mike said, Mike said, well, Roland, you're concerned about the public persona of Roland and the private persona. I said, really? I said, no. I think what you're concerned about is I will have two masters. I said, and that means your check becomes that less less, uh, relevant because I have somebody else's check. You don't get to determine where I go. You don't get to determine what I do. You can't control my mortgage. And he sat back. I said, man, don't don't play this game with me. This ain't my first rodeo. I was 25 years old when we had this conversation. Wow. And so he thought that, I said, dude, I know this whole game. 
I said, so you want to keep me in this nice little box. That's why the multiple revenue streams, Rodney, gives you freedom and flexibility because can't nobody own you and determine your path. Well said. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rodney Perry. You're listening to Rodney Perry Live. We're talking to the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Roland S. Martin. Uh, let me let me make a quick correction, Roland. Roland's website is www.rolandsmartin.com. His Twitter, he's at Roland S. Martin, and his Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Roland, why are you so fearless? Um... First of all, this is a spirit that I've always had. Um, even when I was in school, I, I always uh, cut to the chase. Uh, I, I've never minced words. I've never messed around. But I think the most important thing, Rodney, is I'm not trying to please everybody. I mean, look, I grew up with three sisters and one brother. My, on my mama's side, there were eight of them. My grandmother had 42 grandkids. So, running, I grew up not needing friends because there wasn't no room for friends in my life. <laughs> right. I, had too many co- I had too many cousins. But, but the reality is I, I've never had a spirit where it's about trying to please somebody else. Uh, and I, mean, I remember, man, when I was in high school and when I ran for the, for the, for the student council, and cats were like, no, nah, man, we can't let him because he's too raw. We sat there. I remember, in grad, I remember my senior class, man, at Jack Case High School in Houston, and we're sitting here in our class meeting, and they talking about a class uh, trip. Man, these cats talking about Mexico and Jamaica and Aruba, and I'm sitting there going, why in the hell are we having this conversation? So I finally stood up, and I said, can we be honest here? Y'all, most people in this room can't even afford the graduation invitation. Hmm. So why are we having this conversation? I said, look, y'all need to go ahead, stop tripping, do a week, three-day weekend trip to Galveston, Texas, go to the beach, have fun, bring your butt back to Houston. Man, these cats start booing me. Guess what happened, Rodney? Went to Galveston. They went to Galveston, Texas, <laughs> trip, which was 45 minutes, 50 minutes down the road, had a great time, came home. I didn't even go to the trip because I was wasting my time. And so that's just how I've always rolled. And so my deal is I can see it. So I'm like, man, let's just cut to the chase. But the other thing, and let me get back to this whole revenue stream, the reason it's like that now because, Rodney, I don't believe in shackles. And I believe that one of the ways that we are shackled in life, not only because with the shackles of i got to please somebody else, but the other shackle is the shackle of death. So what happens is we owe so much that we all of a sudden that check begins to drive us. Mm-hmm. And so we also don't understand contentment. When I moved to Chicago to run Chicago Defender, I met, with my, I met a financial advisor, and so we were sitting down, and she said, are you going to sell your house? I said, no, I'm not selling my house in Dallas. I said, why? She said, why? I said, because she was looking at, saving money, investing money. I said, look, I said, I will always have my house. No matter what happens to me, I will always have a home to go to. And I said, what you don't understand is that's a, I got a four-bedroom, 2,500-square-foot house for Rodney. Nice house, high ceilings. It's not in some palatial neighborhood, but it's my house. 
I'm happy with it. I'm content with it. I enjoyed my house when I lived in Dallas. I said, I don't have to have a 10,000-square-foot house. I also mentally have prepared, prepared myself for Rodney that I can live on $50,000 a year. So here's the deal. When I brought my, my navigator, I went to the dealership. My homeboy said, we, we finance it? Nope. We lease it? Nope. He said, what are we doing? I said, we're going to negotiate this number. I'm going to be back in 15 minutes, pay for it in cash. My house is now paid off. My wife's car is paid off. I don't have credit card debt. And so I have the freedom to speak honestly and truthfully and not be worried about somebody firing me and then going, oh, my goodness, how are we going to pay the bills and stuff along those lines. Too many people are shackled by debt. They're shackled by what other people say. They're shackled by ego. Doc, that's not it. I was just as happy running the Dallas Weekly Houston Defender as I am being on TV1 and CNN. My value is not placed in where I work. If I'm not on CNN, my contract with CNN is up next year. My contract, uh, we have a renewable deal with TV1. Uh, My Tom Joyner contract is a three-year contract. Any of those contracts could end at any moment. I'm still going to be rolling money. I'm still going to speak honestly. I'm still going to have my Twitter account. I'm still going to give speeches. And if I got to go out and get me a radio show, if I got to be behind the scenes editing, if I got to shoot video, I'm always eat. But the most important right. thing, Rodney, all my stuff is paid off. So I'm, I'm, I don't have I don't have that stress of debt over my head. Wow, I mean, that, that's such a a powerful uh, statement because and hold this right, is hold what your listeners hold on right, for your listeners. I want them to understand that my appendix ruptured in the year 2000. I was freelance producing, covering the Democratic National Convention, spent five days in a hospital in Los Angeles, $100,000 in health care costs. While I was in the hospital, my lease had already been up on my navigator, excuse me, on my forerunner. My car got repossessed from the airport. The house that I now own almost got foreclosed on. I went, I filed for bankruptcy. I paid off every cent, a hundred grand in bankruptcy. So for somebody listening, I don't want them to think, yeah, but things are going great. You can say that. No, I was in massive debt because of that health care crisis, but I stayed steadfast. I fought through it. I had faith, and not one time did I ever doubt God in terms of positioning for my future, and that's why I'm fearless because I know that I represent him in all that I do, and that's all I need. Man, you just you just gave me chills, dog. You you break you broke that down, and that's one of the reasons I do this show because people don't know that. People don't know what happens behind the scenes. People don't know that we, as quote unquote celebrities, have real lives and real stuff to happen to us. You you. I think are the voice of my generation in terms mm-hmm. of uh, uh, giving us a political voice, in terms of cutting through the bull and putting it in a way that I can understand it. When when I look at your coverage of 
the uh, the, the election of, of Barack Obama, when I look at you, first of all, I'm proud. First Very of all, good. I'm extremely proud. And secondly, I feel like you speak to politics in a way that I can understand it. And 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 I'm not I'm not I'm a middle of the road guy. Now, right, this right. is the question I want to pose to you. To me, when you look at the Democratic Party, when you look at the Republican Party, it it seems to me like politics as we know it today is turning into a game where there's winners and losers. But to me, the only loser is us as Americans. When they battle the way they battle, it seems like the only person that's ultimately going to lose is us as Americans. Can you speak to that, and what can we do as, as Americans to make the process better? Well, I think, first of all, we we got to step back and really break down that when we talk about politics, what do we really mean? And what, and what, I'm, what I mean by that is you have national politics, the presidency, the House, the Senate. You got Congress. Then you have your state legislatures, governor, state house, state senate. Then you've got your uh, county commissioners. Then you've got your city council. Then you've got your town villages. You've got your water districts. You've got your school board. The reality is, so the problem today is that when we speak of politics, we're often, we're, we, we are often talking about what is happening nationally, that's where you really have lots of the venom and things along those lines. When you go local, a lot, most city council races, most mayor races, most school board races uh, are non-political. So no one is running as a Democrat or Republican. Uh, they're just simply <clears throat> running for an open deal. So you don't have that, that sort of that, that left-right drama that's going on. Most yeah. people also, if you look at the polling data, most people will say their life is most affected uh, by local politics. Now, the problem is, and this is what I think the real issue is, the problem we have is that the average person believes that they are powerless. And so a person says, my vote really don't matter. Uh, My voice really doesn't count. But that's not true. If you look at every movement in the history of the world, they all started with one person saying, that ain't right. That's wrong. I disagree with that. Look, look at last year when we had the Arab Spring, when we had these massive protests in Egypt and Libya and Syria and Tunisia and Bahrain, all these places. What most people forget, right, is that that Arab Spring got kicked off because in Tunisia, these cops tried to extort uh, uh, a, 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 a farmer who had a cart. This farmer got sick and tired of being extorted, so he set himself on fire. His act of sacrifice, of defiance, of anger, is what fueled the protest in Tunisia which then went to Bahrain, which then went to Egypt, which then went to Syria, which then went to uh, the other countries there. One guy set himself on fire. 
So what happens in our community is that we need for one person to care and then to talk to their neighbors and then talk to their church members and then talk to everybody else, and then that's how movements are created. So we have to decide that we are not powerless. Now, somebody listening right now saying, yeah, Roland, that sounds great. It sounds cute. Okay, let me give you an example. I grew up in Clinton Park, a neighborhood in Houston, Texas, all right? Nice uh-huh. neighborhood. We had people who were, it really was a low to middle income neighborhood, hardworking, blue collar, African American in our neighborhood. My parents decided, man, they said, they got about five or six other people, man, they were talking, and they said, man, we really need us a civic club. And so they got together and they said, we're going to start the Clinton Park Civic Club. So one Saturday, Doc, they decided to pass out flyers and put up signs and since my parents had five kids, we didn't get no vote, so we were commissioned. We had no choice but to go pass our flies because we wanted to eat and wanted to be closed. So they started this thing, and, man, we going to door to door. People said, man, this stuff ain't going to work. I don't know what y'all are doing. But guess what, Rodney? Five or six people said it don't matter. So they started meeting. So then they started saying, you know what, well, uh, we, we need this a heavy trash pickup day. Well, who does that stuff? Who's with the city? So they tracked down the name and number and called them. Got organized so one, one Saturday, uh, a few months later, man, heavy trash pickup days. Then they said, we need to have these weeded, these empty lots uh, and the weed cut. Then they said, we need to, all of a sudden, they had that success. Next thing you know, they said, you know what, we need some we need uh, some new street lights, and we, we need some paved streets, and we need a new sewer system, and we need our park refurbished, and we need a senior citizen center. And so they began to put the list together, and they began, we need stepped-up police patrols. And next thing you know, man, there was now uh, 15 people who joined the city club. And they saw that one success. Then it was 20 people, then 30 people. Next thing you know, Rodney, fast for 10 years. After 10 years, Doc, there were new streetlights. There were new paved streets. There were new sewer systems. The, 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 the park had been refurbished. The senior citizen center, a firehouse had been uh, reconstituted into a senior citizen center all because five or six people said, let's make our neighborhood better. That's how we impact politics when we begin to say, let's get together. We're tired of the school. We're tired of the schools being messed up. Well, are the school elections in my city? Yeah, well, fine. Let's run somebody for school board who cares about our kids. There's nine people on the school board. To get a majority, we need five people. So let's get that one person on, and let's focus on the next neighborhood and mobilize and organize them. That's how it all starts. We've got to realize that the people who are elected to office are put in office by somebody. Somebody elects them. And then somebody yeah. says, well, I ain't got the money, big money. No. Money always gets defeated by votes. When you put mm. people power, when you put people power, people boots on the ground, going door to door, if, it, if the last person got elected in that school board race, and of 530 people elected them, that means that we need to go out and find at least 600 people to vote for somebody else. That's what it means when you say let's mobilize locally, grassroots, and build the bottom up. But too many of us have stepped back and said, I don't really care. I can't make a difference. I'm trying to tell you, brother, I have seen it with my own eyes when people who care step up and say we are going to take back our neighborhoods and, I, and, I, and I've said this, that you cannot have a strong America without strong states. And you can't have strong states without strong cities. You can't have strong cities without strong neighborhoods. 
You can't have strong neighborhoods without a strong block. You can't have a strong block without a strong street. You can't have a strong street without some strong houses. And you can't have a strong house unless you have somebody, one person in that house, say, this is how we're going to operate in my house, and this is how we are going to live. And that one person in one house can infect the neighbors, can infect the block, can infect the street, can infect and affect the neighborhood, can infect, affect, and have an effect on the state, and then can infect, affect, and effect the country by one person in one house saying, this is how we're going to roll. Man, ladies and gentlemen, this is Rodney Perry. You're tuned to the Rodney Perry Live. This is absolutely the best conversation I've had with any grown man in the last 15 years. I'm excited. We're talking to Mr. Roland Martin. Y'all can check him out. Go tweet him. He's at Roland S. Martin. His website is www.rolandsmartin.com. What people don't know is that you can dance. <laughs> but I love to dance now. I love music. I love to dance. And, and somebody asked me once, right, and they said, man, why are you always dancing? I said, and I, I didn't mean to go deep on them, but I had to go there, right? Uh-huh. I said, I said, you know what? I said, that was a time when a bunch of people said that Muhammad Ali, he talked too much. When he was, they said he was a mouth of Louisville. He talked too much. I said, what would we pay today to hear Muhammad Ali's thoughts on the state of our world? But he can't because of Parkinson's disease. I said, and so Muhammad Ali, we, he talks to us through newsreel. My belief is the same. Doc, when your legs work, use them. You never know what's going to happen later in life. You never know what may go down. And so my deal is, man, I believe in having fun, dancing, enjoying myself. I don't care if I'm on TV. I don't care if I'm on radio. I don't care. I ain't trying to please nobody. When you're on that dance floor, you're having a good time, and that's just what it's all about, bro. And so I say as long as they work, I'm going to use them, and I'm going to have fun using them. I would have paid money to be on the yard when Roland S. Martin was rocking them gold shoes. <laughs> I would, well, let's, and for anybody that don't know, a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, 1906, if I would have pledged, I would have pledged Alpha because they were just the most dynamic men on the campus when I was in college. Why did right, Roland right. Martin Alpha. Well, you know, first of all, um, I, I didn't have a history of, of black men in my family in terms of a number of them who, who, who pledged. Uh, my, my great uncle, who uh, he was a Kappa, uh, and when we went to, when my brother went to Texas A&M, uh, he pledged his freshman year, spring 1987. Uh, and uh, I, we, he, he, my brother's one year, one day older than me. And so I would often visit A&M, and it was always I was around those brothers. I would listen to them. I would see them. But I, it still, for me, wasn't like, oh, oh, I'm definitely going to play as Alpha. He plays it. That was cool. And, but when I got to Texas A&M and I spent so much time around them and I realized uh, the brothers were involved in so many different things, it wasn't just about a party. It wasn't about uh, how many girls we can kick it with. It really was about community service. 
It really was about excellence in academics, and so that really uh, appealed to me. Uh, and so uh, that's one of the reasons why I decided to join. And I, and I remember when, when I was pledged and I was talking to our dean of pledges, actually, actually our assistant DP, and uh, we were talking about all of these great uh, African American men who were alphas, and, and, and it really, it really spoke volumes when I thought about MLK and Thurgood Marshall and Jesse Owens and Ralph Metcalf and John H. Johnson. Um, you know, when I thought about Lenny Wilkins and Art Shell and Fritz Pollard, and I started going down the line of uh, these brothers who were in science and who were in art, who were entertainment, uh, whether you're talking about Lionel Richie, Jill Albright, uh, it really spoke volumes about the importance of brotherhood and what that brotherhood means. And, man, I remember when I graduated, we had a frat reunion, and we went back to the yard, and uh, the young brothers, uh, they, they still even a brotherhood. So we were like, all right. So uh, we got together at, at an apartment clubhouse, and they, were, they had the music going, Doc, and they were like, hey, man, it's all good. Uh, our girlfriend's going to be by in an hour, and AKA's dropping by, and all the old heads. We all looked each other like, hey, what are y'all talking about? And they said, oh, we have a brotherhood. We said, no, I don't think y'all quite understand. And this was probably about seven, eight years after I had left. I said, no, this ain't a brotherhood. So Rodney, we said, shut the music off. They were like, what? They turned the music off. He said, call y'all girlfriends and tell them they're not invited. Call call every other woman, a.k.a. Delta, we don't care. Tell them they can't come by. Then we said, lock the door. We said, we're going to show y'all what a real brotherhood is. And Rodney, for the next 10 hours, we were in this clubhouse, and we were, talk- and, and we, we were talking about death penalty. We were talking about black-on-black crime. We were, talking about, uh, we were talking about relationships and marriage and divorce. I remember, man, we were talking, these brothers were, we were talking about the war, and these brothers were saying, man, I couldn't kill somebody else. I don't care if I had a uniform on. And one of our brothers stood and said, man, let me tell y'all something. All y'all can shut the hell up. And everybody just froze. He said, I never talked about this with nobody else other than my wife. He said, but I was in a rock during Desert Storm. He said, and I had hand-to-hand combat with me and the Rocky. He said, guess what? One of us is going home in a body bag and it wasn't going to be me. He said, I killed that man with my bare hands. Don't you tell me you wouldn't kill another man. Dr. Room just froze. It got to the point, man, in the conversation where that night three brothers actually got saved. The level of the brotherhood was so powerful in that room because we showed them that a brotherhood ain't about getting together, playing dominoes, talk, and spades, or being with. It's about something deeper and more meaningful, and that's one of the reasons why I pledge Alpha for that kind of brotherhood. Hey, y'all, this is Rodney Perry. You listen to Rodney Perry Live. My guest for today, Mr. Roland S. Martin, one of the coldest human beings in the game. Brought, forget forget all the other fly stuff that he does, but just one of the great human beings. Roland, hold on. We almost done. I'm not gonna hold you. I know you sure. got a, a ton of things on your plate. Um I'm gonna run I'm gonna run my tour dates and when we come back. We're going to talk about the hottest topic in the news today, uh, this young man that was gunned down in, in uh, Sanford, Florida, Mr. Trayvon Martin. 
And uh, I know, I know you, you, you're on top of this. You're all over it. So y'all stay tuned. This is Rodney Perry, and it's Rodney Perry Live. We know you can't get enough of Rodney Perry, and you want to know where he is. So where is Rodney Perry? April 13th with the Monique and Friends Beats of Laughter at Showplace Arena in Upper Marlboro, Maryland. April 28th at Allentown Symphony Hall in Allentown, PA. May 4th and 5th at the Tempe Improv in Tempe, Arizona. May 11th and 12th at the Comedy House in Columbia, South Carolina. May 13th with the Monique and Friends Beats of Laughter in Chicago, Illinois. May 26th with the LOL Comedy Series at the Madam C.J. Walker Theater in Indianapolis, Indiana. For a complete list of tour dates and other Where is Rodney Perry info, check out RodneyPerry.com. Tune in next week on Monday, April 2nd at 2 p.m. Eastern when John V. is on Rodney Perry Live. Hey, this is Rodney Perry. Uh, thank you, Kim Nelson Ingram, for that. And uh, check out the help desk uh, right here on Blog Talk as well. Uh, Kim has her own show, and it's called The Help Desk, and it's all about helping people, whether that be helping you uh, get your software on your computer or helping you uh, find the philanthropic efforts in your own respective area. It's all about providing some help, and it's called The Help Desk. Now, Rogan, I want to bring on uh, a friend of mine, she is, sure. has been uh, spearheading efforts in uh, Los Angeles in reference to uh, uh, Trayvon. Jane, you all with Mr. Roland Martin. Roland Martin, how are you? I'm great, Rodney. How are you? Now, now I understand. I'm, I'm wonderful. I understand that, that, that you have a rally you're organizing, and uh, I guess as we have this conversation today, uh, the petition uh, for, for, this, uh, for Trayvon's case has just hit a million people. Is that true? One million one hundred eighty-eight thousand eight hundred and twenty-three. Wow, wow! So, so what are you doing out your way in Los Angeles? Well, Monday will mark the one-month anniversary of his death and one-month anniversary of George Zimmerman not being arrested. So we in L.A. are going to rally together just like they did in New York at City Hall, and we're going to protest and just rally the support of the people to let people know globally, nationally, that this isn't right. No matter his color, no matter George's color, like just to shoot someone innocently um, just because he had on a hoodie and he looked suspicious, according to George, is not right. And just to have all the voices united just nationwide so there can be a change because the biggest thing that is the, the biggest outrage is that George Zimmerman has never been arrested. There's no murder weapon that was, you know, taken from the scene or anything. Like, Trayvon's body sat in the morgue for three days as a John Doe, and his cell phone was right next to him to get his identifying information. So there's just something really, really wrong with the system. Um, it's been that way for a very long time. So when issues like this arise, when you get that support, we have that mobilization and that movement from people, and it's been the year of the revolution, all of 2011, from all across the world. So just continuing in that effort so there is a change because so many um, African-Americans think that my voice doesn't count. My voice doesn't count. But in actuality, like Mr. Martin said earlier, it just takes that one person. So if I have to be that one or somebody else has to be that one, we just need that one. Wow. Well said. Hey, thank you, Zane. Hold on the line. Roland, how does something like this happen in 2012? Very simple. The same the same way it happened uh, in 1962 and 1972, uh, you name it. And that is because perceptions and stereotypes and fear drives people. 
And the reality is Zimmerman felt, based upon the Florida Stand Your Ground law, based upon his own thinking, that he had the right to challenge somebody else. Now, let me be perfectly clear with you. Okay, I am a huge believer and a huge advocate of Neighborhood Watch. I believe that neighbors should be looking out for each other. I believe that they should, when they see suspicious activity, when they see potential criminal activity, that they should be calling 911. They should be demanding the cops uh, be taking care of that stuff. But the problem here is this has nothing to do with that. The problem here is is a guy who decided, oh, I'm seeing a black kid, he's suspicious. And so, and so we see it every day. And the problem, I mean, look at New York with the stop and frisk. And, and 97, 98% of the people who were stopped and frisked did nothing wrong. Nothing. Zero. Zilch. But people said, oh, that's defective. But when you look at the people who got stopped and frisked, they black and Hispanic. And so for white America, they don't even see this whole view of what is unfair, what is unjust. And so that's why it happened. Trayvon Martin is not the only case. I've, I've gotten emails from other examples in Austin, Texas, and other cities across this country. And this is what I desire. Of uh, 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 is it uh, Janae? Is that her name? Yes. Okay. This is why I desire of oh, Janae and all and the million plus folks who signed this petition. And that is this: Let's not do what I felt happened and what I thought was going to happen after Gina six. And that is, mm-hmm. let's not have outrage and anger and disgust. We focus on Trayvon Martin's case. I believe he's going to get indicted. I believe he'll be convicted. I believe he's going to go to jail. But then let's not go away. Do understand that the NRA, the National Rifle Association, is trying to get stand. There are 24 states right now with stand your ground laws. The NRA wants the other 26 to pass the same law. I would hope that the people who are outraged are going to channel that for the long term and be able to work with organizations, fight social justice, and then just not be in an uproar because of operating in the now. I remind people, the Montgomery bus boycott started in 1955. We didn't see the Civil Rights and the Voting Rights Act until 1964, 1965. Fair Housing Act, 1968. That's 10, 11, and 13 years. We can't just think this is about pushing for 30 days or three months. This is a battle that's going to be in for the long haul, and I hope folks are willing to stay in the fight and not go back to business as usual. Oh, man, well said, well said. And I think I think you make an incredible point, and that's, that's fight the, the fight and be willing to to fight beyond right now, because to to really pay this young man some homage is to fight beyond today. And so, uh, Roland, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, you you always shed light on on a number of subjects. Not only are you you the the, the coolest cat, the most serious, and the most fun dude that I've had a chance to meet. I, I really hesitate in calling you a celebrity, and I know you're a celebrity. I know people know you. I've been out, 
and you know, I see people <laughs> recognize, I see signed autographs, and and what what I what I the way I mark people is how they deal with people, and I watch you just deal with uh, the fans and your friends in public, and it's it, to me it seems like you've never met a stranger, man. Uh, what where does that come from for you? You know what? It's really, man. I, I, it's really uh, uh, my dad. It's my, it's, it's, you know, my parents. Man, never went to college. Uh, but when we would go places, man, I, I would see my dad strike up a conversation with anybody, uh, and you would think after five minutes they knew each other for twenty years. I remember my dad asked me once. He he was shocked and he said, you know, son, I don't I don't understand how you do it. I said, what you talking about? I said, I saw you. And, I said, saw you and Mama do it. He's like, what? I said, yeah. See. Part of the things I think would happen, Doc, is, and I saw it. I mean, my parents, I felt growing up, uh, had self-esteem issues that, that that they felt that because they didn't have certain things, didn't have didn't have a certain petty degree, petty petty degree, didn't have a didn't have a degree in, in college, that they couldn't do certain things. But that's just not how I saw it. And it was weird because they raised us not to think that. Uh, and so for me, man, I speak to everybody. You know, I don't understand cats. Uh, who, you know, if I'm going to CNN or TV One, man, I'm talking to the security guards. I'm talking to the people in makeup. I'm saying, hi, how are you doing? I mean, that's just how I roll. I, I, don't, I don't understand somebody who thinks that they have reached a level where I don't, I don't need to speak to people like that. You know, I ask about, man, how your family doing or whatever. Man, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care about uh, your, your ethnicity. I don't care about your gender. I don't care about your sexual orientation. I'm going to speak to you. You know, if there's something we agree with, cool. If there's something we disagree with, cool. But but that's just how it is. And so it's just like, man, I've seen certain celebrities, bro, and it really is offensive to me. It really is when they get an attitude when people want photos. You can be – if you feel as if if you're with your family and you're eating and you just want to be – you know, I get it. You can tell somebody, hey, I appreciate it, but, you know, I want to have dinner with my family. I'll take a few when I'm done or whatever. And if they want to be patient, that's so be it. But I see people just get mad. Now, tired of all these damn pictures. And I say, you know what? They could not recognize you. And so I'm appreciative when I'm walking down the street. Man, the other day, Doc, I'm driving down the street. I'm not lying. And, man, these brothers stop, and they like, Rollers, man, keep representing. To me, that that's more important to me when an 11-year-old kid comes up and says, I listen to you on Tom Jordan or I check you out on television. That's just regular folk, man, you touching their life. And so you don't know what it means, man, when you say something. I'm going to leave you with this right because it's a true story. I'm in New York City with my parents for the day, and I had a meeting there, and we took the train up from D.C. And I'm walking down the street, and we get near Central Park where they're trying to do the, uh, the rides and, and, uh, on, and the carriage rides. And this, mus- this Muslim guy stopped and said, oh, my God. He said, I love you. I said, well, I appreciate it. He said, no, I don't think you understand. When, we, when they had that controversy about the mosque near the World Trade Center, he said, you were the only one speaking up for us Muslims on CNN. Rodney, he pulled out his cell phone. He had downloaded the video of the segment of me calling out the people who were dogging Muslims. And he, he said, see, I keep this on my phone. He said, because if I ever met you, I want to be able to show you. Doc, that's real. When people say, hey, you spoke up for me and you didn't have to. So that's why. Man, it, it's, 
I appreciate people show me love, and I love kicking in with them. And about, I'm just a regular broad man who's on TV doing what I do, and that's just how I how I look at it. So the same way when I see you, man, it's like people say, man, that's Rodney Perry, the comedian. That's Rodney Perry smiling and having fun, and it's just all regular, bro. That's how I look at it. Hey, I love it, y'all. This is Rodney Perry. You tune in to Rodney Perry Live. Um, Jane, uh quickly, give me uh, what's going, what your rally is going to be uh, real quick, ma'am. Monday, March 26th. 4 p.m. City Hall Park, right across from City Hall, right next to the police station. So everybody come out and support, wear your hoodies, and we're going to rally for support for the Martin family and justice in America. I'll be in Orlando Monday uh, for the uh, national rally there as well, covering it. Uh, we'll be tweeting it, loading videos and photos as well. So right there on top of it. Hey, 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 Roland, uh, I, I don't want to monopolize your day. I know you got a lot of stuff on your plate. What would you like to leave my audience with, man? Uh, very simple. Um, that is, you can, make a you can make a difference when you stop worrying and caring about what other people say. If they hate us, let them hate. Because here's the deal. If you're doing some good stuff, you are going to have haters. And if you don't have any haters that tells me you're not doing anything to make a difference. Uh, and people can trash you. They can talk about you. They can talk about your clothes, your weight, where you went to school. They can talk about all they want to. The bottom line is this here. When you know for a fact that you are a child of God and you are doing God's will in your life, that's all that matters. And because when you have to stand at the feet of Jesus one day and look and say and be held, uh, uh, and held to account, and when you say, God, you gave me the skills, I used them. You gave me the voice, I spoke up. You gave me the legs to march, and I did. And then I honored you in all that I said and do. That, that's all that matters. And so I don't sweat the craziness. People can, they've been talking about me for a long time. They can keep talking about me. And let me tell you something, all I do is smile and say, bring it, because I ain't going nowhere. Hey, I love it, man. You you couldn't have said it any better. Uh, I got I got I got a young lady named Francine, and that she she hit us up and she said, this this is her question. She said, I have a ten year old son. I sometimes struggle with explaining the state of race in America. How how do we direct your children in this struggle? What you have to do is you got to be honest with your kids. I think the problem for a lot of African Americans. As well, a lot of whites, we shielded our kids from the past. Doc, uh, I've, got, I've got books. I've got videos. I believe in trying to give our children the history and context. It doesn't mean that you tell them that all black people are bad, all white people are bad. You begin to put those things into them. So I think you have to be honest with them to say, look, this is the reality of the world that we live in. But then you also tell them how you can be a change agent, how you can be a difference maker. You can tell them that you don't have to carry around stereotypes. You don't have to live according to somebody else's uh, uh, you know, perception of who you are. You can define who you are. I just think, though, being honest, the problem is when we shield our children from reality, and then when they, come, when they, when they have to confront it, they don't know how to respond because they've never been trained or educated. That, to me, is the most important thing. 
Wow. Hey, well said, Roland. I, I don't want to hold you any longer, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on. Anytime, You've been a blessing brother. to me. You've been a blessing to my audience. And, ladies and gentlemen, you can check him out. He's at Roland S. Martin on Twitter. His uh, website is www.rolandsmartin.com. And his Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Roland S. Martin. And the S stands for C. I see what you're doing. Hey, y'all, this is Rodney Perry. You're close <laughs> to Rodney Perry Live. The show has been incredible today. Thank you to Roland. And he, he gave us so many nuggets, so many jewels of wisdom. Be honest with your kids. Um, let's invest in me, Inc. Let's invest in me, Inc., your own company. Who are you? And let's not forget people power. It only takes one person to change the world. My name is Rodney Perry. That's our show for today. John A., thank you for calling in. Miss Francine, thank you for calling in. It's been an incredible show. Y'all stay blessed. My name is Rodney Perry, and we out. <laughs>